This episode of Make Your Pitch is brought to you by BET. As a business owner, have you ever asked, uh, how is my business ensuring profitability and sustainability? Uh, or does my business drive its growth and agenda through a defined strategy? Maybe also, is there a performance management system in place? If you hesitated to answer any of these questions, you need to take a look at the Business Enabling Toolbox, BET. To find out more about BET, check the show notes of this episode. This is Make Your Pitch. I'm Christopher Knight. And I am Ellen J. Harris. Together, we chat with entrepreneurs with great ideas, looking for investors to back their vision. We want to be sure investors are there as well as to find the next big hit. So let's get started. And welcome, welcome, welcome to this episode of Make Your Pitch. Uh, we're very happy always to bring you all the episodes that not that we've done uh, in the past, but we have so many great people coming up for you in the future. But we bring them to you so that you can learn not only how to be a startup, but learn how to pitch your ideas to various investors or various companies in a way that they know what to do and how to accomplish it or how, how to direct you in the right direction for funding. Uh, we also uh, enjoy bringing you experts uh, from various fields that we think will help you also grow your startup ideas and to start a company properly. Today, we're very happy to have Tom McNamara with us and he is a very skilled individual in the area of data and you're gonna learn a lot about data that you probably have never even understood before. I'm Christopher Knight. And I am Ellen J. Harris. And right now, I'd like Ellen to tell you a little bit more about Tom. Thank you, Christopher, happy to. Tom McNamara is the founder of Apex Privacy. He is an experienced data protection officer and legal compliance consultant. Tom specializes in IT, finance, and health. He has a proven track record in delivering business-centric legal compliance initiatives across Europe, Asia, and the United States. He's also a certified information privacy professional and information privacy manager from the International Association of Privacy Professionals. He holds a postgraduate degree in creative thinking, innovation, and entrepreneurship from Trinity College in Dublin, and an undergraduate from law or in law from Nottingham Trent University. Welcome, Tom. That is, Cheers, guys. Uh, Thanks for uh, having yeah. me. And Tom, uh, you know, those are, that's quite an impressive list of credentials. And I know that we had talked a little earlier about how we uh, we might want to take a look at data and how to best use it as a startup. You want to begin there, Tom? Sure. Uh, so, yeah, thanks, guys, for having me on. Uh, as you mentioned, I'm not here to pitch anything. Uh, I'm here more to help your guests just kind of give them some pointers if they're starting out around data, data privacy, data protection and especially how it might pertain to looking for funding and the types of questions or the types of 
um, requirements that investors may have of startup founders that are looking for funding because we're seeing and I'm seeing across my client base that investors are becoming a lot more interested in data and how data is used especially if you're coming to them as the next big thing in data and you've got super something super innovative and new and creative in in terms of data and investors are naturally going to ask is it legal do you know is it going to be legal in five years time and like so in that type of way you kind of have to understand data privacy laws now and the kind of the way that they're going into the future so when i work with clients i really work on strategy uh, data data privacy strategy so how do you comply without hamstringing your business so obviously over there in the states you've got a new piece of state legislation it feels like every week maybe every month but there's a different piece of legislation starting to govern how you use personal data so personal data being data related to individuals so it's not just email addresses and names you've got bank account details financial information you've got health related data obviously covered by hipaa and different regulations and just basically anything related to an individual and obviously if you're a startup or you're a tech-based company you probably have global plans and you've probably launched on like the app store and you've launched um globally really because there's nothing holding you back but you have to be considerate that each jurisdiction that you're playing in may have different requirements about how you gather customers and gather their data and use their data so yeah basically i'm the guy that helps put in place a program uh, works with founders to put in place strategy uh, to make sure you future proof your business and that how does a person even begin uh tom it you know, I'm a, if I'm just a startup business and I, I, I'm scrapping just to get the project together and I, I'm adding a computer at a time. How do I get started so that I don't get behind the curve in exactly what you're talking about? Yeah, so my number one recommendation to people starting out will be to look at the international framework of privacy by design. And essentially, this is seven principles, which will guide individuals when creating products or services. And it's all quite common sense. We talk about transparency. So making sure that whoever's data you're collecting knows that you're collecting their data and you're transparent about the uses and purposes. You're obviously protecting that data throughout, throughout its life cycle. There's an interesting one, uh, data minimization, which is basically you're only collecting the minimum amount of data to actually deliver your result or to achieve your result so that's a kind of framework there are three of the main principles but there's more to it um, also like at the very basic you need to understand your data and you'll probably well if you start looking into this area you'll hear of data mapping and data inventories so data mapping is just like a customer journey map which i think a lot of people will be quite familiar with you do a data map so you're following the same customer but instead of their personas, you're following their data throughout your business. So perhaps their, their data or their um, interactions with you starts at the top of your funnel. Let's use terms you're familiar with. Starts at the top of the funnel. You're giving an email address. That email address comes in. It lives in your CRM system. Your sales guys 
take that and they send them an email just say so now it lives inside your your email provider the client gets back to you and they request the zoom zoom call so you're you've got that data in zoom now from there they're like okay that's brilliant christopher let's go ahead with this here's my here's my credit card details and then you've got them in your your payment processor you probably issue an invoice so the invoice like you probably see where i'm going here there's like a big life cycle here of data and we've barely even got to delivering a product never mind if that product was data centric um so you can see how how this thing can balloon so if you don't have a good grasp of this at the start and kind of have it really laid out as to where your data sits what kind of providers you're using for each step of the way if you're built on SaaS. Um, yeah, you just, you need to understand your data. Know thyself, I guess, people to be throwing <laughs> that about. <laughs> know thyself. You know, I have uh, just, I mean, very recently, uh, a client that began uh, the startup business and that uh, it, it just now went to the stage of putting it out in the market in a pre-sale type basis. But it goes from the site uh, to the uh, uh, payment processor. Uh, it also at the same time goes to the autoresponder, which has all the detail, name, address, phone number, the whole thing in uh, the autoresponder. So not only has it gone through the website, which if it's hacked, obviously every, all that information is going somewhere else. Uh, it goes to the the, the uh, processor, which we only can hope that they're secure. And then it goes to the autoresponder, which we have no idea whether they're secure or not. So what does the guy do? You know, he's, he's relying on the autoresponder and the, uh, and the website being built right and the payment processor being secure. What, what does the guy do to really know? Yes. So when you're dealing with so many third parties, it's a good idea to keep a third party register. So just like the example that you gave, the example that I gave myself, that you've got different companies and different providers at each step of the way. Under the GDPR here in Europe, and you're starting to see it across different regulations, you're required to have agreements in place between your business and anybody you share data with. It's known as a data processing agreement. There's also um, reference to documentation or contracts in the CCPA. And basically what they want you to do is get assurances from anybody you're sharing data with that they're able to protect that data that's under their care. And it's only under their care on your permission and they need to delete that and send it back or yeah, just delete it. Uh, once you once you no longer do business with them so especially a startup which maybe is changing providers as they're scaling upwards or else they're testing new things and all of a sudden their crm isn't fit for purpose and they're keeping that as like a legacy system so that's where risks come in anything that has legacy attached to it is usually a security risk so yeah you've hit the nail on the head there when it comes to third parties and the risk and there's loads of good um, softwares out there that are helping companies decide on the risk profile of their third parties and what's extremely interesting I guess is from a if you've got a B2B startup and like especially ideal I pretty much my niche would be B2B SaaS companies they're the companies I like helping the most and 
they have a real onus on them to be compliant because if you think about it, if you want to get an enterprise client as a startup as a b2b startup like that's probably your golden ticket it's going to give you so much runway like you got like a big yearly like arr off them and they're going to have internal governance risks and compliance departments which aren't going to let you in the door without um without you being able to show that you've got all your your data processing and your data protection and data privacy policies procedures and controls ultimately controls in place now tom it sounds like what you describe says to the startup my gosh i need a team of people to manage each element of that process how many real professionals should you uh look for or interview to manage your data because obviously the owner or the team can't do it alone yeah like so at the outset i'd recommend finding a consultant who can kind of guide you at a high level because this the responsibility grows with the business but you should be able to put in place a kind of framework to begin with and the thing with data privacy and data protection is it's hard to hand it off to just one person usually a program structure that way is not going to do well there'll be a lot of key man risk if that one person left and then nobody else knows the kind of controls of what you have in place but at the same time it's really each part the person on the team has their own responsibility and if they have the right training to understand okay this is what's acceptable this is what's not acceptable when it comes to using data these are our this is our framework this is our controls and if that's kind of embedded in the company from the outset you should be able to scale with it without having to hire a full-time data privacy officer data protection officer anything along those lines we work with data champions so i try and if i'm working with a business i'll find one person within the business or it depends on the size really but usually it's one person to take the lead and they're the data privacy champion and then within each kind of team they're assigning people in charge to say okay it's up to you to kind of keep this in people's minds when you're running through projects you've got our checklist of points that you need to meet for each project within your own team so it's really like it is a I don't want to be too cliche but it is a team effort to make sure that uh that the data is protected because it just takes one weak link in an organization and then all of a sudden you have a breach and you're looking at fines and lawsuits and all that messy stuff. Did, did you mention that there is uh, software that a company can uh, put in place that will help with this? Yeah, there's loads of software. So there's uh, one called OneTrust, which is kind of the unicorn in the space. It just got its billion dollar valuation. And obviously that's kind of proof of concept for a lot more uh, similar softwares to pop up and offer often ver offer versions of that solution. So you've got um I don't I don't know if you want to call out some now, but there's definitely if you do your research, there's plenty of software and um compliance tools out there that can really help this process. But I suppose what's important is that at that early stage to kind of to make the software look or work you need to be able to, put, to upload the data in confidence that you have the, 
the right um the right interpretation of what applies to you but yeah definitely there's there's plenty of software out there how, how does that software work uh give me uh give me a feeling for the flow of what the software does and how it processes the information yeah, so I guess the starting point on most of them will be that data mapping exercise that we just talked about, where I guess in module by module, they'll bring you through, okay, where does our data come into the business? And you like list out your, your landing pages, your websites, then where does it sit? It sits in a CRM, you list that out, and that collects all the data of the different points where the data or yeah, where the data touches within the business. So it's able to summarize that, just say give you a list of those third parties we're talking about, and that creates actions to say, okay, go to those third parties to make sure you have the correct contracts in place. Then depending on the tool and the sophistication, they're able to look at the type of data. So as well as um, where the data sits, you have to tell them, okay, we're collecting name, address, um, health-related data, financial data. And there's tool, within the tools, there's usually some sort of a risk analysis that says, okay, you've got your standard contact information here, but you're also carrying high-risk information. And it usually leads them down the road of a, of a privacy impact assessment or a risk assessment. And then, yeah, it depends. Obviously, it depends on the tool and how much you spend on it. But you'll probably have policies attached, and you'll be able to create workflows with the business, so you're able to manage it centrally and send out questionnaires to your different managers in different departments, and kind of act as that central point for managing the whole compliance department. Let's pause for a moment so we can hear from our sponsor for this episode. I have just set up our customer relation management system using CRM Engine, not just for its many options, but because its price is well below that of the big boys. The CRM Engine team set up all that we needed to keep track of our contacts, including those who are scheduled to pitch, our investors, and strategic partners. We now know when we met, what was said, when to follow up, and includes an auto email system to stay in touch timely. It keeps us focused on what makes Maker Pitch what it is, the people. So to learn how to keep your business in touch with your clients using CRM Engine, go to the show notes of this episode. Well, you know, when you mention uh, price and so forth, you know that a new business starts cringing because they probably have, uh, maybe they spent the last uh, five thousand dollars on the credit card who knows but uh what kind of cost are you truly talking about yeah that's where it starts and there is like there's been a kind of in the industry there's been this debate about the kind of arbitrary fees for it um but there is like i suppose like anything as it's maturing there's competitors coming along and being able to for like offer it for a lot more affordable rates i know some of the enterprise type subscriptions you're looking at your 100k or whatever but if you're a startup with a couple of seats maybe 10 you could be looking at a platform that's costing you 500 dollars per month or something around those that price now so there, and there's anything in between obviously yes. now here's a question um where we are today at this moment in time with data 
uh, it grows exponentially by the time the day ends. And the next day, it's like, gosh, triple the size of the day before. Where do you see uh, data growing to? I mean, clearly there's no end in sight, but can you forecast what you think might be the future of data and how we manage it? Because there's so much of it. Yeah, I suppose there's different ways to view this. Like obviously people are looking at AI and saying AI is the future and all this data can be assimilated like to some extent, and then we're going to have these supercomputers, and then that's the direction that everything's going in. Again, like the ability to predict, I keep saying that sports like won't be too much fun if they ever achieve this. And like as good as their algorithms are, there's nothing there that can predict sports events. Do you know what I mean? You guys just had the Super Bowl there, and like it's still as um, unpredictable as ever. The kind of the human the human i guess spirit and being but in terms of just collection of data there was this saying i think it was a time article that said data is the new oil and this kind of created this big rush mm -hmm. for companies to collect data because the more you had the better it was for you and if you collect enough of it there's going to be some sort of key insight into it you're going to find that gold golden nugget in there but that's just not turning out to be the case. Like unless you've got a plan and a strategy for the data within your business, then actually that data may look like a risk. So if your idea was to collect as many customers and as many like users, even if those users signed up for a free trial, signed off 10 years ago, you're like, okay, we still have him as a user, still have her as a user. And that's just, you're carrying risk now because that customer isn't bringing you any value. You're probably screwing, screw skewing your own metrics um, and yeah under the ccpa there's this requirement or an allowance for class action lawsuits so if you said yeah we've got a hundred you or a hundred million users just for example or even a million users but like 50 percent of them have only signed on once another 20 percent of those haven't been active in three years and you start whittling it down to okay the revenue or potential revenue generating customers are like 10% of our whole base. You have a data breach. They're not, the regulators won't care if you've only got like 10% of those that are actually active. They're going to say, no, you've got a million profiles. That's a million people's data that was breached. And we're going to like, you're going to be penalized to that effect. And I think under the CCPA, you can be penalized per individual. So you can imagine how that can end up and really cripple a company. And investors are starting to see this. Investors know that, okay, all this data is carrying a risk now. It's a risk to my investment if we've got if we've got investments in companies that are just hoarding this data without the correct structures in place and we're starting to see okay they're sending to your startup or to your scale up depending on what point of the business you're at they're sending out consultants like myself to say okay analyze their data analyze their systems or whatever and see is it legit is it going to be able to be carried into the future and if not it like you're getting there's a tax involved there if they're pointing out flaws to your business before you're receiving funding to them so um yeah i think we're starting to see companies see that the more data isn't always the best thing 
but and I think people are kind of looking more at the strategy side of it. Okay, what what do we want from this data? And it goes back to that data by design, data privacy by design. What's the purpose? Why do we have this data? Is it achieving its purpose? And at what stage is it no longer doing that? And should we actually look to get rid of it? Now, I want to I want to tap into your uh, background and expertise around strategy and creative thinking. I would mm-hmm. think with the growth in data, you are creatively looking at existing strategies and designing more innovative ones to help companies, not so much startups, but help larger companies manage the data that they have inadvertently connect, uh, collected over time. Yeah, exactly. And it all comes back to that whole purpose so we really dig down into why was this data collected in the first place and if it doesn't if you can't like rattle off the purposes of your data stores then there's something wrong you know you're holding on to it like a hoarder for like (laughs) for the sake of having it do you know what i mean like you see those shows and people walk in and like the the house just looks absolutely crazy you can kind of apply that to data as well you know like you only need like maybe one set of data to achieve a purpose why are you collecting all this and from the strategy point of view it's an interesting time the way um google recently well not recently it was last year said that they're going to be phasing out third-party tracking cookies oh yes you probably saw that facebook and apple are in quite a public war of words around apple insisting that apps won't be able to track individuals apps will have apple are going to put in place a a a permission box for an app to track you and this is obviously going to really mess with facebook's whole model and a lot of the app developers as well for freemium apps won't be able to have the same kind of data stores and in turn like sell on that data so purely from the marketing point of view and the strategy point of view i'm working with marketers and um and like founders and everything to understand okay how does our data collection work with regulations as they come up because how do we get the data in the first place and how do we make sure that over time that if we're reliant on one channel that we're not, there's no risks from a privacy point of view. So there's so much things going on in personal data and privacy and strategy. So it is a, yeah, it's an exciting time to be here. Yes, indeed. And one other thing, Christopher and I heard someone reference the data as an ecosystem, but the way it was described is you take one node and that node in itself is an ecosystem. So the question becomes, uh, one node to the next node, you're now into your second ecosystem, and it, it encompasses all manner of um, exponential data in per node. Now, I thought that was an interesting analysis or a visual diagram of what it could look like, and it has genuinely become unwieldy. So when you say that the owner or the business uh, holding data for the sake of it is technically, um, financially, uh, not not sound or profitable business. And so how do you have a business owner redirect or redesign how they think about the data that they capture, why they need to capture it, and when to let it go? Yeah, I suppose the way that I frame it would be to look at the risk 
you know, to look at the, like it's a cost um, analysis to say, okay, we can collect this data and this is the purpose for doing so. And we probably can predict an ROI on it. But at the same time, that data needs to be seen that if there was a breach, that there's a potential risk to the business in terms of fines. And then, especially in uh, service providers, again, I'll go back to the B2B SaaS companies. If you breach that data, you're going to probably end up in the papers. It's quite topical that a data breach is, is a good headline. Do you know what I mean? People kind of pay attention to it. And obviously, if your potential clients are doing research on you, then they're coming back and saying, like, if the first article is this person lost uh, X amount of data and it affected all their clients, then that's like a big uh, stumbling block for you being onboarded or to win that business. So I think if you're trying to look at the business, maybe with some, again, legacy data stores, that's really where I would frame the conversation to say, okay, is the objective being served as it comes to holding this data? Do we have a purpose for it? And if not, then is it carrying risk for the business? So you've got the whole risk analysis piece versus uh, yeah, the benefit being derived from it. So that's kind of has to be your mindset from the outset that, okay, just because we have stores and stores of data, there's not necessarily that golden nugget in there. Like we have teams like big BI teams or business intelligence teams and analytics teams that are like searching through data to find, um, I guess, those golden nuggets of insight that are going to lead to like massive growth, et cetera, et cetera. But you have to do that in a sustainable way and sustainability being keep it for a reason make it give it a defined purpose and then once the purpose isn't being served then move it on also there's lots of tools and techniques out there to anonymize data and to mask data and the likes of that that means that okay you can do all this analysis without the risk to the individuals so if you just need to know how a person interacts with your website it doesn't necessarily have to be linked to their profile and they have like all their name and their age and their gender. Now, there may be certain bits that like says, okay, a 29 year old female spends this amount of time on this part of the site. But again, as you move through that whole process, there's different techniques and tools that can kind of remove the data that's not needed again. I must have said purpose a million times already in this in this episode. But again, you're looking at the purpose, what you're trying to achieve, and then you're kind of shaping your strategy according to that. Right, let's, let's turn the corner uh, just for a moment. And this is going to be more opinion uh, than, than uh, tech. <laughs> and that is, we have, we have run so deep into data collection and uh, all the things about you that they know and all the things about me that they know and it goes on and on and on. Nobody, I don't think anybody can protect themselves from uh, being tagged in some way in some database somewhere, uh, regardless of what they do. Uh, I'd like to have your opinion on if you think that the collection of data will someday actually damage our society. I think it already has. If you look at the election interference and stuff like that, that that's kind of the most obvious example of uh, misuse of data. But at the same time, I think like we're actually still in the wild, wild west of 
of the internet really and mobile technology and the likes of that we're still only starting to see regulations like the gdpr over here in europe was the first real regulation being placed on tech that gave them operational compliance responsibilities so i do think actually going forward as i mentioned with apple and google really kind of taking the high road there and limiting trackers that hopefully in the coming years we won't have that kind of assumption that you're always being watched because that's kind of not the place that the internet was meant to be at the outset and i think there's enough people and enough clever people people much more clever than me working on solutions that both can still make the internet brilliant in terms of being able to find anything you want and being able to have um i guess you know, all these social interactions and like especially with something like covid it makes it seem you can see how much more important it is but at the same time having a respect for privacy because i guess we've talked a lot about data but privacy is my like kind of it's my forte i've got like this background in international law and human rights and Privacy was a really hard fought for and hard earned right in Europe, especially. And that's kind of it hasn't really translated to the online space. So you can see like people are owning their digital personality a lot more now these days. And as I said, especially because of COVID, like your digital personality is like just as important. And especially when you're locked in a house 24 seven is probably more important with how you interact. So having that right to data privacy, as much as we have like an individual right to privacy is super important. And I think there is change happening. And I don't think that the old way of internet, just this see the ability to track you across the internet. I think uh, the enforcement, both agencies and then private companies that are coming up with solutions to stop that from happening are making inroads. And hopefully, it's my, I'm, a, I'm an optimist. <laughs> I hope that it's only going to get better and we'll be able to to lose that assumption that you're always being tracked. I, I, I hope you are right, my friend. I certainly do. Ellen, do you have any any uh, last questions before we wrap up the, it's, uh, this episode of Make Your Pitch? <laughs> No, I think Tom has been very thorough and he makes an excellent point of uh, human rights and we're still in that wild west stage of the internet. So thank you, Tom, for keeping us honest, if you will. Yeah, no kidding. And and Tom, uh, is there anything you'd like to say as we wrap up? Uh, any tidbits you'd like to throw out there to the audience that you think might be important? Uh, no, other than like I try and tell clients that try and treat people's data like you would the person just with respect you know and like obviously there's going to be bad actors in any space but you don't need to like like it's not a such a race to the bottom when it comes to collecting data and using data like you can be very successful while being like building a brand on honesty and trust um so yeah i just i'd take that as your strategy and and run with it uh, very well spoken. And let's let's trust that we do turn a corner soon that will uh, cut down a little bit on all the data collection on individuals. Although I know it's that's what's driving business forward right now. Uh, we are so happy to have had you on today. You have uh, it's truly imparted some information that I personally was not aware of. And therefore, I, I trust probably a lot of the audience wasn't as well. And we were very glad to have had you. We are 
here every Thursday for Make Your Pitch, our podcast. And we hope you'll see you next Thursday. And while you're at it, check our previous episodes. I think you'll enjoy those as well. But before we close, we always say, Make Your Pitch. Enjoy. If you enjoyed today's episode of Make Your Pitch, go smash the subscription button. And if you want, leave us a five-star review. If you think you have what it takes to be on one of our episodes, contact us by going to the show notes to learn how. But most of all, be with us again next week for another episode of Make Your Pitch. Make Your Pitch.